nature of your thoughts, gentlemen, when you say you move your lips in a particular way? You not see how haphazard this audit is. The devil is in the detail. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a cover-up. There will be plenty of time for questions. As a member of Canada's Muslim community, we know what it's like to be stereotyped. We know what it's like for people to have biases. And I understand the words and the way that I said them have hurt people in Quebec. I have been listening very carefully. I have heard you, and I know what you're feeling, and I'm sorry. There you go. She is sorry whether or not uh, it matters or will register with people. Remains to be seen, but the Prime Minister is sticking by his new appointment to fight Islamophobia. Tom Korski, Managing Editor of Blacklocks Reporter, joining us. Hello there, Tom. Alex. Yeah, so um, Amira Al-Gawabi uh, is, sorry, apologizing to the people of Quebec. She made this apology uh, before meeting with bloc leader Yves Francois Blanchet, and, and I guess he wasn't expecting it, but she decided she'd step out and say sorry. Um did it go over well? Yeah, she, well, she has a problem. And the problem is that she's the focus now. So yeah. the cabinet is now, the word went out, how, how can we somehow avoid disaster on this? And the ways to use the word conversation, I've heard more cabinet ministers in the last 48 hours use that word conversation. We're going to have to have a conversation. Not with that one hosting it. Uh, uh, Ms. El-Gawabi is not going to be the mediator of that conversation. I'll tell you why. Because the hits just keep on coming. We see her, she made public remarks last June to Senate Human Rights Committee. You know the problem, Alex, she said, and, and I'm quoting, in Quebec, I think it's really important we highlight this fixation on religious minorities in that province. Really, a fixation, like a fetish about Muslims. And then earlier in a separate uh, hearing at the Commons Committee, she said, out west, Westerners always enjoy that when you say that out west. <laughs> you know, out west in Edmonton and Calgary, it's not really Those people? For, for black Muslim women. Black Muslim women in Alberta live in fear. Fear is rippling through these communities, she said. So this is, as we've discussed in the past, inclusion advisor El, uh, El Gawabi has already said the queen should be deposed as head of state. She's a symbol of racist oppression. Canada Day, don't get me started. That's about Judeo-Christian storytelling. Police shouldn't have guns. She's got opinions on just about everything. Disaster. Well, yeah. And they're, they're stuck with it now. They can't fire her now because that would be embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, but Trudeau is sticking by her. I mean, he has said, I'll stay. No, I'm sticking by her. But there better not be anything more coming out. I mean... You know, I think most people are kind of bucking this off, saying, okay, but Bill, you know, 20, is it 121, 21? Um, you know, that is a, a racist bill. A lot of people don't like that bill, which doesn't allow people in, in religion to wear head coverings or, or religious markers. Uh, so a lot of people look at this and go, well, she's not wrong. Uh, it's just there have been a lot of comments. It's not just one comment. Yeah, but where are they going with this, Alex? Do, is it, do, that's a provincial law. Do, is, is this what the next federal election is going to be? Do they want a hijab election? Is that what they want after they oh. had a vaccine mandate election? Are you kidding me? If that's the master plan, that's some plan. And I think we all know how that's going to end. I just think this was a bad, bad idea. 
Well, you know what? The wedge issues are uh, the name of the game, and they tend to work, and it wouldn't be the first and won't be the last. So let's see what else uh, comes out or happens. Uh, meanwhile, this, um, you know, public health now revealing uh, when it comes to those quarantine hotels, which Michelle Rempel unveiled, that one alone in Calgary costs, what, 31 million bucks for like a handful of people. Overall spending for 38 of these things, they were very proactive, Tom, in giving the new numbers. 389 million bucks. Where, where, where do you spend that kind of money? It, it didn't make sense at the time. And I have to be honest with you. Let, let's just put the cards on the table, Alex, just between you and I. This is suspicious as hell. You look at Calgary Weston Airport Hotel. Okay, let's take a look. Last year, the, uh, they had 15 guests, 15 vaccine uh, uh, quarantine travelers, excuse me. Average cost worked out uh, $452,000 a head to feed and shelter them for 72 hours. That doesn't, no, 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 no. The money went somewhere, but it didn't go on the menu or in the hotel room. That would be impossible. Over the life of the program, that one hotel, the unit cost comes in at about uh, $18,000 a pop for 72 hours in a hotel room at the Calgary airport and some meals. That's impossible. That means there were additional costs. Would it have been for, I don't know, consulting? Could there have been some medical expenses on standby that were never used? I think somebody did really well on this. One of them would be the shareholders of the Weston Hotel. So I guess the pandemic worked out pretty well for them. That really makes up for the lockdown. Well, look, I think it's very interesting that public health was all of a sudden so uh, proactive in releasing the numbers. Having said that, um, again, I, I, I'm going to need more context with how many people actually benefit, benefited from this. But the big thing for me is they could have canceled the, these contracts much sooner because the restrictions came off the table way before and they didn't. So either they forgot or they didn't care to. Yeah, no, but the, the numbers don't add up, which is why they're trying to release right. more numbers. They have said, we have a figure, a total 28,305 cross-border travelers were referred to quarantine hotels. The Department of Public Safety said so in an internal briefing note. That's 28,000 people. Where are they getting the third of a billion dollars? That means, <laughs> that means someone is padding the invoice. There's no, it's impossible unless you bought a bungalow and a Buick for every cross-border traveler as consolation. It doesn't add up. Uh, Alex, others have said it. It's been said many times. If you want to see someone go to jail, start having a judicial inquiry into pandemic contracting in Ottawa. It, mm. It's mind-blowing. Well, it is, and it's just one of it's just the latest in a number of um, you know spending issues that we have uh, followed, and and there's been a lot of waste, no question about it. Um, so I'm sure I know I watch it. Dominic Barton uh, testifying at this committee hearing, looking into outsourcing of contracts. Of course, he headed uh, McKinsey and Company um, for a good long time, which is why he was uh, called. You know, why did your company get all these contracts? And he didn't know anything. He he isn't friends with anybody, but apparently. You know, he admitted, yeah, I went to dinner at Christian Freeland's house. She hosted a dinner in Toronto. Um, so he's on the stand basically saying, yeah, no, I don't really know anybody. I'm not really friends, even though Bill Morneau and the prime minister are on record calling him their friend. Um, what did you take away from his uh, his testimony? Oh, the, the, yeah, no, he was, it was almost like you picked an old man up by the bus stop, right? <laughs> was, uh, Barton is like, a, he didn't know anything that was going on. 
He just wants to help people. You know, he just... For the he country. He did it for the country. He, he does. He, he helps fold the laundry at the Salvation Army. He had no <laughs> idea. He's just a multimillionaire country boy trying to help Canada. The interesting mm-hmm. part for us was this dinner party at the finance minister's home. Alex, there are rules about that. Federal cabinet ministers cannot host dinner parties for federal contractors. There are literally statutes and regulations about that, but you know what this is about? We see this with Freeland over and over. Every time you see an internal email, there's this little fake aristocracy. Let's be candid. It's a surprisingly few number of people in a surprisingly small geographical area, Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal. They want to run the country. And their concept of of the rest of the country sort of backdrop to their genius. They're just that smart. And Freeland is part of that fake aristocracy, and so is her dinner companion that apparently uh, doesn't know where Ottawa is, Dominic Barton. And those people have a very peculiar idea about who's going to give the orders and who's going to take them. You want to keep an eye on Freeland. She has a propensity for this. It's a problem. Yeah, well, we'll I'll get deeper into that on the uh, in the eleven o'clock hour because it is uh, consequential in a bigger picture way. I just quickly want to get this in because Attorney General David Lametti uh, has actually lost a federal court ruling on his emergency powers use against the convoys uh, because the judge has ordered that those internal emails contradicting his claims about this national crisis have to be admitted to evidence. He had a lot of holes in his testimony. I think his testimony was probably the most problematic of anybody's, and so that won't come out before this report. The uh, Canadian Civil Liberties has now been in court for a federal court for a year, challenging the constitutionality of the use of emergency powers against political protesters. Unbelievably, Lametti had his lawyers go down to the courthouse on Spark Street in Ottawa and say, you know what, you're not getting those cabinet confidence. The emails are already a matter of public record. Those are all the emails where the police contradicted the official story and they said there's not a national security threat here. The only reason that Canadian Civil Liberties Association knows though they exist is because they were already made public. Lametti actually argued that documents already made public should not be seen by a federal judge in examining whether he broke the law. Alex, it's almost Nixonian. This guy mm. something. Stay tuned on that one. They'll be pouring over those uh, as soon as they get them, and uh, I guess we'll see the devil in the detail. All right, I am up against the break late, so thank you, sir. Have a great day. You too, Alex. That is Tom Gorski with Blacklock's Reporter. They are subscription-based, worth every cent because they get the goods. They read the fine print.